0: It was a legendary escape from a place that was supposed to be inescapable. There's John and Clarence Anglin and Frank Morris have never been found. They went underneath the water tower and scrambled down to the smokestack at the north end, inflated their raft and paddled away,
1: never to be seen again.
0: Welcome back to the Vodka, Lemonade and Crime podcast. After a very long break, I'm Chloe. I'm George. Me and George have been away on holiday to the USA, but now we are back and you may have noticed something different about the podcast. We are actually filming this episode. So if you are joining us over on YouTube, hello. This is what we look like in person. But if you are not joining us over on YouTube and you are either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you would like to see us in person, along with a lot of visual content that we're gonna use, then join us on our YouTube channel at Vodka, Lemonade and Crime. So, before we get into our really exciting case today, I wanted to ask you, George, what was your favorite part about our trip to the US?
1: Um, the must uh, We hired a Mustang, of course, as you have to.
0: As you um, have to.
1: And it made me not want to drive any other car over again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we drove it to the Grand Canyon from Las Vegas, of course.
1: I drove it. You, you sat- drove <laughs> it. Because <laughs> I didn't trust you.
0: Fair enough. Made me Fair never enough.
1: want to drive any other car again.
0: Yeah, it, was, it was amazing. Oh, it was
1: insane. How about you? What was your favourite part?
0: I think a lot of people have asked me this question. And overall, my favourite part about the US, although we did some amazing stuff, was the food. I absolutely loved the food out there. It's so good. We went to this place in Austin, Texas called Terry Blacks. If you're from Austin, Texas, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But if you are looking to go visit this barbecue house, it had the best food ever, wasn't it, George?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah, it changed my life. I'll
0: put a picture up here so you can see. It looks
1: disgusting in that photo. (laughs) It looks properly disgusting, Um, but it was amazing.
0: So we are kicking off our first ever episode on youtube with a really exciting case we're going to talk about the famous 1962 escape from alcatraz prison so when we were in the us me and george were actually lucky enough to visit alcatraz itself and we got some really cool footage of the outside and inside of the prison so if you want to see that head over to our youtube channel at vodka lemonade and crime For our cocktail today, we are gonna be drinking a cocktail that I have called Escape from Alcatraz, naturally, and um, in it has got whiskey as the, what?
1: In it has got.
0: In it has got.
1: Oh, that's nice, yeah. Mm. It's a lot nicer than the other one you made, (laughs) the test
0: in this we have fresh lemon fresh ginger fresh orange juice and vodka which i put in a cocktail shaker shaked it up and then poured it over orange spice lemonade and ice and with a segment of lemon on the side
1: i mean i'll stick to my coffee for now but i'll move yeah. on to it in a george
0: minute. is getting off the back of covid so he's yeah. sticking with coffee for this episode
1: so for those who are not familiar with the area San fran san francisco it sits on the west coast of the us in california and borders on the pacific ocean well known for being in the bay area saltwater bay uh, so you've got san francisco napa valley oakland so in this bay area you've got very strong currents the entrance to the bay area is actually where the golden gate bridge so a couple of miles to the east of there inside the bay you've then got the alcatraz prison so this is really well known for extremely strong currents really cold water So Alcatraz Prison, like I said, is an island within that bay. In 1910, uh, it was a military prison that was built on the existing island. And in 1933, the United States Department of Justice acquired and adapted the facility, making it into a civil prison, the Alcatraz prison that we know today.
0: So given its location in the San Francisco Bay Area, and just off from the Pacific Ocean, it was believed that...
1: What? (laughs) What was it believed?
0: It was believed to be inescapable. Yes. So they housed really serious offenders in Alcatraz. So some of the criminals that were housed in Alcatraz include Al Capone um, and George Machine Gun Kelly, who were both notorious gangsters and and murderers. We also had uh, Robert Stroud, who was also known as the Birdman of Alcatraz for his keen interest in canaries. The Birdman. The Birdman.
1: However, on the night of the 11th of June, 1962... Four inmates carried out an ambitious and meticulous escape from the Maxims-Curic prison and that story is what we'll be covering today.
0: So if you can serve the time then get ready for some vodka, lemonade and crime. So on the night of the 11th of June 1962, four inmates would conduct one of the most famous prison escapes in history. The ringleader of the plan was hardened Convict. Frank Lee Morris. His accomplices were brothers John and Clarence Anglin and Alan West. So who was Frank Lee Morris? Frank Lee Morris had the inmate number of 1441 when he was in Alcatraz and he was born in 1926 in Washington DC. He was just 11 years of age when his parents abandoned him, making him an orphan. And then he would spend the remainder of his childhood in foster care. It was at the age of 13 when he committed his first ever criminal offence and by his late teens had been arrested for crimes ranging from narcotics possession to armed robbery. When the prison's authorities tested Frank's intelligence, it actually transpired that he was extremely intelligent and he ranked in the highest of 2% of inmates with an IQ of 133. Therefore he was known to be a leader, a con man and a criminal. So, Franklin Morris, he served in Florida and Georgia Penitentiary and then escaped from Louisiana State Penitentiary while serving 10 years for bank robbery. He was recaptured a year later while committing a burglary and then sent to Alcatraz on January 20th, 1960, where he then met the Anglin brothers and Alan West, who were the other accomplices in the escape. Now moving on to the Anglin brothers, John William and Clarence Anglin. John was born in 1930 and then Clarence came a year later in 1931 and they were born into a family of 13 children in Georgia Dolansville. Their parents, George and Rachel Anglin, were seasonal farm workers. Early 1940s, they moved the family to Ruskin, Florida, which was 20 miles south of Tampa. This is where the truck farms and tomato fields provided a much more reliable source of income for the family, so that's why they moved, and each June they would migrate north as far as Michigan to pick cherries. It was Clarence and John who were reportedly inseparable as youngsters. They were really skilled swimmers and amazed their siblings by swimming in the frigid waters of Lake Michigan as ice still floated on its surface.
1: Oh, I sense some foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, when did these brothers start committing crimes? They started robbing banks and other establishments as a team uh, in the early 1950s, and they usually targeted businesses that were closed to ensure that nobody got injured. What nice guys.
1: Good fellows, yeah, code of ethics for bank robbers. Yeah. In
0: 1958, John and Clarence and Alfred Anglin robbed the Columbia Savings Bank building in Columbia, Alabama. So it was three brothers that robbed that building. The three brothers all received 35-year sentences, which they served at Florida State Prison and then at Atlanta Penitentiary. After repeated attempts to, uh, to escape from the Atlanta facility, John and Clarence were transferred to Alcatraz. John arrived on October the 21st, 1960, and he was known as Inmate. 147 and then Clarence joined three months later on January the 10th 1961 as inmate number 1485. So the last one of our convicts, Alan West, and he was born in New York City in 1929. West was arrested over 20 times throughout his lifetime and he was imprisoned for car theft in 1955, first then served time at Atlanta Penitentiary and then at Florida State Prison. After an escape attempt from Florida, he then was transferred to Alcatraz in 1957 at the age of 28 and became inmate number 1335. So Fred Morris, the Anglin brothers and Alan West were allocated adjacent cells in Alcatraz in 1961. And it actually transpired that they had already met during previous incarcerations in other facilities across America. This was in Florida and Georgia. So So all
1: three knew each other?
0: So, all of them, all four.
1: Oh, sorry, four, yeah.
0: All four of them knew each other from previous incarcerations. Under the guidance of Fred Morris, which is who I said had a really high IQ and was known to be a leader, a con man, they started to formulate their ambitious escape plan from Alcatraz, which actually took them a total of six months before attempting any type of escape. So the next part of our story actually requires a little bit of prior knowledge about the prison facility itself. I'll also put up some footage on the screen behind us to show you a little bit about what I mean when I'm explaining. So the cells in Alcatraz actually measured around nine feet by five feet and were seven feet high. So these small cells are really primitive and they lacked privacy really they were furnished with a bed a desk a wash basin and a toilet on the back wall so behind the cells was actually an unmanned sort of corridor but it wasn't really used as a corridor it was just a place where there was lots of pipes and where the ventilation system went through so under the wash basin, there was actually a vent that led through to this unmanned utility corridor. So once the holes were wide enough to pass through, the men accessed the unguarded utility corridor directly behind the cells. And then they climbed up to the vacant top level of their cell block where they set up a clandestine workshop.
1: <laughs> What's clandestine? Mean? I don't know. <laughs> All right, repeat after me. Clan.
0: Clan. Dest. Ein. Dest
1: clandestine
0: clandestine what does it mean george
1: (laughs) clandestine it's clandestine
0: clandestine
1: (laughs) like secret
0: ah clandestine so it was here on this secret area where they crafted their life preservers and their raft using lots of different stolen materials including stolen raincoats for example
1: so they just stitched them together and inflated them
0: so they created their raft based off a design in Popular Mechanics magazine, which they found in the prison library. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have been in the library.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) How to create a raft.
1: That's a bit of an oversight.
0: They stitched them together really carefully and they sealed the plastic by using the really hot pipes in that utility corridor that I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. to melt the plastic together. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. They also had a lot of improvised paddles that they just used discarded wood and and the like.
1: How did they inflate the jackets and the...
0: Oh, and the raft.
1: And the raft, yeah. How do they inflate it?
0: So they actually inflated the raft by stealing one of those things used to blow on fires. What are they called?
1: Oh, the um, they're like the bags of air that have a point at the end. Yeah. The old fashioned ones.
0: So the men concealed their absence while working outside of their cells and after the escape itself, by sculpting dummy heads. Now this bit's really interesting. So they made it from homemade paper mache, soap, toothpaste and concrete dust and oh, toilet okay, paper. Yeah. So what gave them a really realistic appearance was because they stole hair off the barbershop floor and glued it on top of these like papier-mache heads that they I remember they
1: made. seeing those in the, because they kept them in the cell, didn't they? Yes. Have you got a photo of that? I do. Oh yeah, it's right there. I can see it now. Uh, I remember thinking how realistic it looked. Like, mm-hmm. but if you just walk past, you just think that's a head. But as soon as you looked at it closely in the light, obviously it didn't look like a head.
0: Yeah, but, but. you have to remember that these are used for during the night, so it would have been relatively dark.
1: Yeah, in the so dark. in the you, dark, you definitely wouldn't look at it twice, would you?
0: With towels and clothing piled underneath the blankets in their bunks and the dummy heads positioned at the pillows, they were appeared to be. Like they were sleeping. On the night of the escape, Alan West actually discovered the cement that he used to reinforce the crumbling concrete around his vent had hardened, narrowing the opening and uh, fixing his grill in place, which meant that he couldn't escape. And then he did actually get through, but by the time he got through, he realised that the others had left without him. So he went back to his cell and went to sleep.
1: (laughs) That's something I would do. Just Disaster slap
0: on. after know, I'll six just, months.
1: I just make this, you know, just slap on this concrete. That grid's not coming off, and then I wake up in the morning and it's like it's really not the world coming off. Shut. <laughs> yeah, something I would do.
0: He didn't escape. No. That's
1: why there was three. Escapee's not four, right?
0: Exactly. From the service corridor, Morris and the Anglin brothers climbed to the ventilation shaft on the roof. The guards actually reported that they heard a loud crash as they broke out of the shaft in the top of the roof, but they didn't investigate the sound. Why would you? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Why would you investigate a sound, a big crash as a guard? hauling their gear through the top of the roof, they descended then a 50-feet drop to the ground, sliding down a kitchen vent pipe and then climbing to 12 12-foot barbed wire perimeter fences. So at the northeast shoreline was where they actually launched their raft, and this was a blind spot in the prison's search network. It was here where they inflated their raft with a... Concertina, and it was sometime after 10 pm where the investigators estimated that they boarded the raft and launched it and departed towards their objective, which was a place called Angel Island, which was two miles north of Alcatraz. The escape was as I said and mentioned earlier, was not actually discovered until the morning of June the 12th, due to this successful dummy-head rule. Over the next 10 days, multiple military and law enforcement agencies conducted extensive air, sea and land searches. It was on June the 14th where a Coast Guard actually picked up a floating paddle floating around 200 yards off the southern shore of Angel Island. On the same day, in the same general location, workers on another boat found a wallet wrapped in plastic, completed with names and addresses and photos of the Anglin's friends and relatives. On June the 21st, shreds of raincoat material, believed to be remnants of the raft, were found on the beach not far from the Golden Gate Bridge. And then the following day, a prison boat actually picked up a deflated life jacket made from the same material that they used to create their life jackets, which was uh, 50 yards off Alcatraz. So according to the final FBI report, no other physical evidence was found other than what I just listed there. The FBI agents actually concluded that the men had drowned and that they cited the fact that the individual's personal effects were the only belongings that they had and that the men would have drowned before leaving them behind.
1: Hmm. Hmm. But just because they were separated from item, items doesn't mean they drowned.
0: Exactly. And no human remains that, you know, pointed towards any of the escapees, was found. On July the 17th, a month after the escape, a Norwegian ship, the SS Norgeveld, spotted a body floating in the ocean 15 nautical miles, which is about 17 miles, from the Golden Gate Bridge. The ship did not retrieve the body uh, and did not report the sighting until October. What The coroner of San Francisco County, who was named Henry Torkel, Turkle? Turkle. Henry Turkle cast doubt and speculation that it could have been one of the uh, escapees emphasising the improbability that a body over a month in the water would still be floating. The coroner, Henry Turkle proposed that the corpse may have been that of Cecil Philip Herman, who was a 34-year-old unemployed baker who would actually jump from the Golden Gate Bridge five days earlier. Several coroners from the neighbouring counties around San Francisco actually challenged Henry Turkle's opinion, stating that it actually is possible for remains to uh, be floating on the surface a month after the Hmm. alleged drowning.
1: I guess it depends how, uh, in what state the remains were. You know, if they'd retrieved the body, you'd obviously be able to tell. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they waited. They didn't do anything about it and they just waited yeah. a couple of months.
0: And then what makes you think like, why Why did you report the body at all? Like yeah. in all, Altru- did you just see the news? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what would that, what was that conversation like on the boat as well? It was like some fella yeah. looking out at the sea, like.
0: Oh, I'm sure that's a body. Like Sven. <laughs> Sven.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that a body over there? Yeah. <laughs> Should we get it? Nah.
0: So the FBI investigators announced their official position which was that it was actually theoretically possible for the men to have reached Angel Island and the odds of them having survived those turbulent currents and frigid waters of the bay were actually negligible. So there is possibility that they've reached Angel Island but the chances are very very slim, Mm -hmm. a very very slim chance. And according to the final FBI report, West had said, so the guy, Alan West, who didn't escape, said that they had planned to steal clothing and a car upon reaching Angel Island and no such thefts were reported on Angel Island.
1: So who did, how do they know they were aiming for Angel Island again? Is it from this guy who's left over, West?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing so.
1: Okay. Um, but he might have been trying to throw, he might have felt some kind of loyalty toward the guys and... Might have been trying to throw these authority Maybe. what's he got to lose from lying. Exactly,
0: yeah. very much so. And he
1: probably is bonded with these guys. He mm. probably feels some kind of kinship with them. Yeah,
0: like so. they, he probably wants them to get away. He probably yeah. wants them to be successful.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: Alan West was uh, the only conspirator to not participate in the actual escape, which is what I just said. So he was fully cooperated with the investigation in the fbi and he was therefore not charged for his role in the escape because alcatraz is a lot more costly to operate than other facilities in the mainland it's nearly ten dollars per head opposed to three dollars per head per prisoner uh, in for example atlanta penitentiary because of the 50 years of saltwater saturation that had seriously eroded the building attorney general robert f kennedy ordered the facility to be closed on March the 21st, 1963. The FBI closed its file on the uh, escapees on the 31st of December 1979 after a 17-year-long investigation. Their official finding was that the prisoners most likely drowned in the cold waters of the bay whilst attempting to reach Angel Island. They cited the remnants of the raft that they found as well as personal effects of the men as evidence that the raft broke up and sank at some point and the three convicts succumbed to hyperfermia and then their bodies were swept out to sea. The FBI then did actually hand this case over to the US Marshals Service, whose investigation remains open to this day. Jeopardy US Marshal Michael Dyke told the NPR, I don't know who the NPR are.
1: Uh there not it a radio station?
0: Maybe, could be. So he told this maybe radio station that there is an active warrant out for their arrest and the Marshal Service doesn't give up looking for people. In 2009, Dyke said that he was still receiving leads on a regular basis about the whereabouts of these missing convicts and the warrant for their arrest will actually expire in 2030 and this is when all of the missing men would be at least 100 years old.
1: Okay, so... So, so it does expire, yeah, so they just don't...
0: when they're 100.
1: Yeah, way well, to steal my joke. <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? Well, we, don't, we don't stop looking for people, other than when they're 100, then we stop looking for people.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what he needs to clarify. It's
1: a bit of a caveat, isn't it? All
0: right, moving on to some potential sightings. Ooh. A man called the FBI in 1967 and he claimed to have been Morris's, Fred Morris's, the ringleader. He claimed to be his friend in high school.
1: So this is five years later?
0: Y- yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And he claimed to have known him for 30 years and he said that he actually bumped into him in Maryland and described him as having a small beard and a moustache but he refused to give the FBI any more details. So the mother of the Anglin brothers actually received flowers anonymously every year on Mother's Day until her death in Nineteen seventy-three. It was also reported that two very tall, unusual women in heavy makeup had attended her funeral. So the assumption being that it is the Anglin brothers,
1: right? Clarence up as,
0: and John,
1: dressed up as women to go see. Exactly. Yeah, that's hilarious.
0: FBI officials say that in the mid to late nineteen sixties, and then also into nineteen seventies, there were around six or seven sightings reporting of reported of the Anglin brothers, all in North Florida or in Georgia. It was reported in 1989 that when the father of the Anglin brothers died, two strangers in beards showed up at the funeral home. According to this source, they stood in front of the casket, looking at the body for a few minutes, they wept and then they walked away.
1: So these guys have like... So a they arm.
0: dressed up as women and now two men in beards yeah
1: so they've got this whole wardrobe full of disguises i'm imagining you know those glasses you used to wear as a kid with a big nose and the mustache the plastic ones i imagine they had those yeah they were cutting around wearing them i mean i'd love for that to be true
0: a number of other claims of possible sightings of these escapees um but like i said the fbi officially closed their case in december 31st 1979 uh, handing their evidence over to the u s marshal service, the warrant for their arrest will expire in two thousand and thirty when all of the missing men would be at least hundred years old so old. Old. 100 do you years gonna old. Do... so they could theoretically still be out there and I was actually watching some documentaries about uh some former prisoners from alcatraz um and one of them they were asked what oh, do you think the the um the escapees got away and he was like, yeah, I, I do. I think, I think they're still out there for sure.
1: I bet it's like a massive uh, source of hope. It was a massive source of hope for a lot of them. Been like, hmm. yeah, they got away. I hope in 2030, what, so eight years time, I hope these guys like come out on a chat show or something, like hobbling onto Oprah. Flawed <laughs> <laughs> <Ablauded> as heroes. <laughs> That would be prayer. brilliant. Like,
0: like, put a TikTok out.
1: Yeah, put a TikTok out with them, like, oh, like, like the three of them in the background. And they're like this for their stick.
0: And that concludes the famous Escape from Alcatraz case. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you are joining us over on youtube or if you are joining us over on apple Podcasts or spotify please give us a review we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions of this case and let us know whether you think they are still out there you can find episode previews over on tiktok and episode updates over on our instagram at vodka lemonade and crime that's all from us for now so if you can save the time then join us in the next one of vodka lemonade and crime
1: crime